Well, good morning, church. Happy Valentine's Day. If, well, if this is the first time hearing it's Valentine's Day and you're a guy, you are in super trouble. All right, so hopefully you have a good day today with your loved ones. Turn to Daniel chapter 2 this morning. We're going to continue in our journey through the book of Daniel as we look at the, this book of great history and also great prophecy. By the time we end here this morning, we are going to have experienced an unbelievable turn of events that only God can do. Remember in our story last week, Daniel and his three buddies were taken captive from, from Israel and put 800 miles away as young teenagers in a pagan land of Babylon. And they were under a pretty nice king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Now you can laugh because he wasn't a nice guy. He was a very strict and harsh ruler during that time. Here's three things we learned last week about this story of Daniel. Number one, the world demands conformity to the world. To, to, the world demands conformity of us. See, Nebuchadnezzar brought these individuals, these, these Jewish young people to Babylon to brainwash them, to isolate them, to make them forget about what they knew about their God. The world demands conformity. And when the world demands conformity, we have a choice to make. We either conform to the world. Remember last week we talked about being a thermometer or a thermostat. Well, we know the second principle we learned that Daniel chose to have courage which comes from within. He stood up to the king and its leaders. Take him from home, change his name, give him a, give him a, a worldly education, but ask him to disobey the word of God, he had to say no. And remember Daniel making that stand. And we learn that when we make those stands, when we don't conform to the world, when we choose to be a thermostat instead of a thermometer, guess what happens? God honors loyalty, doesn't he? And we know the end of the story with Daniel. Well, today we're going to begin in Daniel 2, verse 1, and we're going to talk about Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So get in your mind here this story. Nebuchadnezzar is just having a bad dream. Actually, dreams, as we'll find out. Because he was worried about what would happen to him and his kingdom. You know, there's a book you can buy. I don't know why you want to buy it. It's called Predictions of the Next Millennium. All right? I don't know why you'd want it. It is a book of famous movie stars and musicians and athletes who were asked the question, what do they see coming, coming to prophecy or coming to order in the world in the next 1,000 years? I really don't care what they say, right? Do you, right? I don't know why you, you would make this book, but there's people that would want to know. Here's some of the things that these individuals would say. They hope in the next 1,000 years there'll be a common language and a common currency. Well, we know they're... For God's word, there will be a common currency, won't there, in the end times, right? Healing of the planet. That's a big conversation piece today, healing of the planet. And we know how that's going to end up because God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And this earth is going to be destroyed. <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to break the bad news to us that believe any, anything else. But this was a, a funny one. I, 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 I kid you not. Earth's population will be taking an interplanetary economic lesson from aliens being taught us how to operate a government without taxing people to death. And who, I'm, 
who gave that statement was actually one of the original cast members of the show Star Trek. So go figure. <laughs> go figure. Well, see, we think that astrology and, and all those, all the, the, the fortune telling is of the past, but it's not. Actually, it's a big business. Actually, it's a $2 billion a year business today. Think of them, those that are millennials in our world. They, 20% of millennials actually follow their astrology sign to make decisions of what they're going to do. The Gallup poll tells us there's 125 million Americans that believe in astrology. 70 million of them actually read their horoscopes every day. And out of that 70 million, 7% of them actually change their plans for the day based on what their astrology sign is. And the sad thing is there's 10% of evangelical Christians that follow astrology. It's big business. Aren't you glad that you go by the word? Actually, it's, it, and it's nothing new to our cultural world. Ancient Rome, there was two things that ancient, the ancients in Rome did, is they would get a cage, they put a chicken in a cage with its food, and they would make their plans for the day based on if that chicken would eat its food aggressively, that meant, hey, we're going to the shore today. If it didn't, then they would change their plans. Isn't that just totally bizarre? But that's what they did in the ancient world. More of a grotesque type of activity is they would kill an animal, stick its liver on the table, and they called this heptaway, and based on how much the liver jiggled depended on what they were doing for the day. I guess I would just read a fortune cookie, you know. I would just save the mess, you know. Do you really want to know what your future is? I mean, Personally, we know what our future is with Christ. I, I'm, I'm, do you really want to know, like, how you're going to die? Do you know how you're, when you're going to die? How, I, I don't. Why? What would that cause? That would call, cause stress and anxiety. But here's where we are in the story. Nebuchadnezzar is bothered. He is troubled by what he is dreaming. So let's begin in verse 1. So picture yourself, you're Nebuchadnezzar, and you're having this dream, and you are bothered by it. Verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, not just one dream, he had many dreams, and it says his spirit was troubled. Circle that word troubled there in the text, and we'll come back and get, tell you what that means. And his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. So here we have the most powerful man in, in the world at this time is losing sleep. He's troubled, and he needs help figuring out what's going on with his future. You see, we can't predict our future, can we? We don't know what's going to happen in our personal lives. We don't know what's going to happen when we leave here today. But who gave this dream to Nebuchadnezzar? God did. Yes, God, to a pagan king. God talks to pagans, you know. God is getting Nebuchadnezzar's attention here. And what we will see by the end of our time together is just an amazing end to a story. 
of God using a dream to show Nebuchadnezzar who he is. Well, the text tells us that he was troubled. That word in the Hebrew means this, to beat someone persistently, to be agitated, to be bothered. He was troubled so much that it says there in, in the text, his sleep left him. How many in here have lost sleep due to something on your mind or a dream you woke up, couldn't get back to? It says it's, his sleep left him. His believed uh, commentaries and theologians believe that he, he suffered insomnia during this time. This just wasn't one dream. It says they're dreams. Now, if I was to ask any of you, do you, have you had reoccurring dreams, the same dreams all the time? I, I can't remember that. Nebuchadnezzar had the same dream reoccurring all the time. If that happened, it probably would freak you out as well, having the same dream over and over again. Have you ever had bad dreams? Yeah. I have three of my five, five children have, have had night terrors growing up. Megan, Morgan, and Mason. You know, there's those dreams that it's three in the morning and they're standing over you. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> what in the world? And for those that went to Canada with us and we've I've taken my kids with me, you pitch your tent as far away from the Palmers as you can because you know that Mason is going to scream in his hammock sometime in the middle of the night. And it makes it feel like that Jason from Friday the 13th is somewhere in those woods. Those kind of dreams... Or men, do you ever get the, this, this, this idea when you wake up and you ask your wife, you know, how, how'd you sleep? And I had this dream, and you were really mean in my dream. And then she treats you like you actually did what you did in the dream. I hope that doesn't happen. But we all have dreams. It's a part of life. It's how we were created. We dream every 90 minutes, believe it or not. It is believed that we could have five to six dreams a night. I can only remember maybe one or two this is how our mind works. So for Nebuchadnezzar, this was a problem for him. And so as we walk through this chapter, we're talking about the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. Each point, each section of this, this, this chapter, we're going to apply some application of things we can apply to our lives. So Nebuchadnezzar's dream, what's so big about this dream? Well, his employees, no doubt, were always getting something bizarre that the king was asking to do. And here's a dream. You can, can you see the employees like, all right, king, he has, he has one of his dreams again. We've got to try to interpret it. Here's our application. I want you to follow me on this. Learn to live with the craziness of those in our world. You say, wait, wow, what's that mean? For Nebuchadnezzar, it was a dream. How many of us have friends or family or coworkers that we just look, look and we say, you know what? I don't want to get involved. They're, that's just, they're just psychotic. I'm not going to get involved in that in my life. It's like, you know, the Jerry Springer on steroids, the situation where it's just like, I just don't have the time or energy. You know what? But when we think about what God has called us to do, we think last week that we're put where we are to be an influence. Can you be a good influence? You take on individuals' burdens at times, don't you? Even the craziness of our families. And what are we doing? We're trying to share our faith. We're trying to walk individuals through their times of struggle. We're being an influence to them. Learn to listen to the craziness of our world, the people that are in your life. That they, they just need help. They need you to listen. They need to get some perspective of life. And what a great person to come to is someone who knows Jesus, right? So we have the dream. 
Verses 4 through 6, the demise. Here this says in verse 4, Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever, tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, okay, you remember this isn't just the interpretation. King Nebuchadnezzar wants them to say what his dream was about. Like, what was he dreaming? Well, if you don't do this, he says, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. See, Nebuchadnezzar was a pretty smart guy, and he understood the people that were on his payroll, the magicians and the enchanters and the sorcerers, and many times, no doubt, would just tell him what he wanted to hear. They didn't have the power to do what he asked. Also remember this. What four guys were in the Magi department in Babylon? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay, so put that there in the back of your mind. Okay, so what King Nebuchadnezzar is saying here, I'm going to tear you limb from limb. Not just the person that is given the interpretation or not giving it, but the whole Magi department's wiped out. Talk about a pink slip. They would lose it all. See, King Nebuchadnezzar was so troubled, he was willing to kill to get the answer to his dream. So, the decision. These enchanters, these magicians had to make a decision of what they were going to do. And we see that in verses 10 and 11. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has ever has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with the flesh. Weren't they telling the truth to the king? You understand what these men were putting on the line to tell King Nebuchadnezzar, no man can do this. It's not like going and talking to your boss saying, listen, I can't do this project. Yeah, okay, you may lose your job. They're going to lose their life. They're going to lose their life. I love what, what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 14. He says this, A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what it was is, what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. What's Solomon saying there? We don't know the future. You can't, I can't tell you what's going to happen to you tonight or tomorrow. These men were actually speaking truth to the king. Well, if we go down to verse 12, it was not something that the king wanted to hear. Look at verse 12. Because of this, the king was angry and furious and commanded that all the wise men, Daniel, his three buddies included in this, all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree, okay, so King Nebuchadnezzar set forth a law or a sentence Went out in the land. All wise men, you're dead. I know sometimes in Bible stories we don't get the shock and awe. This is what's happening here. King Nebuchadnezzar was furious 
He wanted to get to the bottom of this, and he was taking people out that could not help him. What do we see Daniel doing here? And, and, his, and his three friends, of course, in this particular Magi department of the Babylonian government. Well, I think it leads us to our, our next application. We don't see Daniel running in fear. We don't see Daniel cowering. We don't see Daniel standing up. You can't do this to me. What do we see Daniel doing? He was going to stand. Our, our application here is hostility will come. Be ready to stand. See, hostility or opposition is nothing new to Christianity. Actually, if you were to talk to someone in Bangladesh this morning, or Iran, or Iraq, or any of those third world countries in the Middle East, and talk about Christianity, you would see that there is opposition. Opposition is not new for Christianity. And when the time comes, possibly sooner than later, we need to trust our Savior. We need to trust our sovereign King, because He has us in His hand. When we stand up, what did we learn last week? When we're loyal to God, guess what? He honors us. He honors us. Trust us. Hostility we come, will come. Be ready to stand in opposition. And this is what we see, verses 14 through 16. Daniel's discernment. Daniel's discernment. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. Those words prudence and discretion in the Hebrew just mean in good judgment. So Daniel replied in good judgment to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who was gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, and again, he asked the question, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. I, I, one thing I'm learning and studying, particularly the life of Daniel as we go through this, Daniel was very wise in his words and how he asked, how he presented himself. He wasn't this arrogant patriot that was trying to stand up for the, the, the Jewish faith. He was just part of Babylonian culture. God had him being an influence. And the way that he responded, the way he talked, look, he declared, what did he say? He, he asked why the decree, the decree of the king. Last week he asked the chief eunuch, please don't, don't, don't let me defile myself by eating this. Very respectful. And I think the application we can learn from this is this. Know when to speak and how to speak. Know when to speak. Opposition or hostility, when someone comes at you, what's the first thing we do? All right, let's go. Come on. Let's go. Right? We get that. What's Daniel doing here? Daniel's rolling with the punches here. And the opportunity arises. Hey, why is the king so, why is he so adamant about this happening? All right, what, what's going on? There will be times in our life where we will, we will need to stand for what is right. And as we learned last week, Daniel stood and he spoke the truth, he spoke it in love, and he spoke it in grace. We don't always need to be on the fight in our life. God has us in where we are at for influence, and how we respond is very, very important. Remember we seen last week that they see, there was favor on Daniel. That eunuch see, had favor on Daniel, and that was a God thing. And the way Daniel responded, the way Daniel lived his life, spoke volumes. So we see Daniel's discernment. He asked. He didn't fight. Hey, what's going on here? Which leads us to Daniel's devotion to God. Verses 17 through 23. 
Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. So if you or I get this news, okay, king's going to kill you all unless he gets an interpretation. What are we doing? Okay, we're telling our friends of him, hey, we're going to die, man. What's going on? What's Daniel do here? He goes to his friends. And what's he say to do in verse 18? And told them to seek mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. What was the first thing Daniel did here? He prayed. Him and his buddies sought the face of God and asked for God, please show us what... what this dream what is he asking us and they did just that and guess what god did look at verse 19 then the mystery was revealed to daniel in a vision of the night then daniel blessed the god of heaven uh, one thing we want to understand a dream of course you're you're sleeping it's uh, in, in your conscience okay you're sleeping like nebuchadnezzar but a vision is actually simple when you're awake you see it daniel this was seen at night daniel was awake when he seen this vision of this dream so dreams and visions are two different things. One, you're sleeping. One, you are awake. And what do we see Daniel doing here in verse 20? And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. And we, we can go through here the next three verses, but here's our application here for Daniel's devotion. When God answers prayer, praise him. When God answers prayer in your life, praise him. When God answers your prayer, what's one thing that we, we do? Oh, thank you, God. Boom. Okay, on with our life. On to the next chapter. Daniel here, God answers his prayer, and he goes through. I'll just read a few of them. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. He changes times and seasons. He's proclaiming him as creator. He removes kings and sets up kings. And isn't this very interesting here for Daniel? Listen, I believe Daniel's saying, you put Nebuchadnezzar in charge here. We can learn from that in our culture today. God does not make mistakes of who is our leadership, okay, church? It's, 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 not, a, it's not a mistake. He, put, he removes kings and sets kings up. Daniel is, it, it sees that. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O oh God, my Father, I give thanks and praise. When God answers prayer, where you're at, whatever you're doing, you stop and give God praise. Daniel did this here. His life was on the line. Instead of running to the king, hey, king, hey, I got your answer, okay? What did he do? God, I need to take time to thank my God. I need time to praise my God because God gave him that vision. So now we move to verses 24 through 30, and we see Daniel's declaration. He is going now to the king. Verse 24, Therefore Daniel went into Arioch from the king and appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he went in and says, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me before the king, and I will give the king the interpretation. And I love what it says there. Then Arioch brought Daniel before the king in haste. Eric, okay, let's go. Let's do this because I'm ready to kill some people here. Let's see what you can do here. Let's, 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 let's do your thing. Remember, this is what Jan, Daniel was trained in. This. this was Daniel's job for the king. And do you see how he's introduced to King Nebuchadnezzar? I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. And King, ne king Nebuchadnezzar asked, Are you able to make known to me the dream? that I have seen, and its interpretation. And look what Daniel says here 
in verse 27. He repeats exactly what the magician said earlier, what got Nebuchadnezzar fired up. He says this, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or astrologer can show to the king the mysteries that the king has asked. What are you doing, Daniel? You're saying the exact same things that got in this position where the king's going to kill you. But he doesn't stop there. Look at the next phrase in 28. But there is a God. Remember what the enchanters said before? The only people that can know are the gods. Daniel specifies here to his God, capital G there, but there is a God, his God in heaven, who reveals mysteries and has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Verse 29, to you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. So there, Daniel is telling Nebuchadnezzar, this is why you're dreaming it. He told him his dream, what, what, he, what he was dreaming. And he who, who reveals mysteries has made known to you what it will be. But there is a God. Our application for this section of Scripture, these particular verses, is this. Give God glory always. Daniel is at a point of imminent death if the king does not like his answer. But what did Daniel do? He gave God glory. How do we give God glory in our life? Well, think about your job. Kids, think about you, you're in school and accomplish, the accomplishment that you, 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 you finished we always take glory for ourselves, don't we? Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, I did pretty good, didn't I? Right. What about saying, yeah, hey, thank you, but you know what? God helped me. That was a God thing. You know, yeah, I hear, but God really helped me. What are you doing as an influencer in our culture? Who are you giving praise back to? God. We like, take, we like to take you know, praise to ourselves. Yeah, I did pretty good, didn't I? But there is a God who gave you the ability. There is a God who gave you the talents. I mean, if, I was, if we were Daniel, I was, that was my idea. Yep, I thought of this dream. Yep, and those guys, yep, you need to X them. They're done. Yep, let me give me all the praise and the glory. But Daniel wasn't like that. Give God glory always in your life as you're an influence. Man, you did such a great job. You're, that was amazing. Yep, praise God. Only God could do that. Only God can fulfill that in my life. You see, as I, as I said a few moments ago, I think many times when we read through the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, we, 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 we miss out of the awe and the shock of a story. And that's why, as pastors, we're very heavy on inter- in hermeneutics, meaning we want to understand the culture and the history in which it was written. So we pull application out. We understand what the writer was writing to, who he's writing to, what was going on in culture and, it, and it's to our shame as pastors and, and Sunday school teachers and youth leaders and VBS workers that we, we cutesify stories in the Bible. You know, a, a great example is, a, you know, a, a teacher brings in a bunch of kittens and they, they put a little wall around the kids. Can get in the lion's den. That's not the lion's den. We cutesify stories to make them cute, but they're not to be cute because it takes away the awe of what our God did. It takes the awe of what our God did. And here Daniel, several times, just in one, chapters 1 and 2, he was putting his neck out to stand up for what is right. 
We see verses 31 to 45, now Daniel's duty. This is what he was hired to do. This is why he was brought to be a king's, on the king's payroll to interpret dreams, to be a man of wisdom, of knowledge. So now he's up for his job. Here we go. Daniel, do your thing. He comes before the king. He says, okay, what is it? Can you tell me how I dreamed and what I dreamed? Well, there's a lot of verses here. So we're just going to just I'm going to show you a picture. And this is the picture of what Daniel dreamed. Okay, there's, there's, there's prophecy involved here, so which is which really exciting. But I, I, before we talk about this image, I just want us to point, I want to point out, don't you love how God was showing Nebuchadnezzar what would happen through something Nebuchadnezzar could understand? Who was Nebuchadnezzar? He was a pagan idol worshiper. And what did God reveal to him to show his truth? An idol. Isn't that awesome? And isn't that, isn't that a picture for us in our life? There's people maybe we're relating to in our world, and we're like, man, how am I going to, I'm going to, this, this guy, man, I don't have this, this lady, I don't know how I'm going to reach out, how I'm going to connect with them. Well, what do they like? What are things that they can relate to? You're not changing the gospel. You're saying, I'm going to relate to them this way and show them that through this, the truth. This is what God did with this idol with Nebuchadnezzar. He showed him this pagan, he, he was a pagan idol worshiper. He showed him an image to show him the future and the truth. Look at verse 44. I'm sorry. No, let's, I said we we're going to go through the idol. Let's go through the idol. So what he says here, can, he doesn't, in this text here, we find that out later in prophecy, what the, each section of the body meant. So here, the gold was Babylon. That's Nebuchadnezzar. He's, he represents the kingdom of the gold head. That's Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon. We see the arms and the chest area, silver. That would represent the Medo-Persian empire, the future empires to come. Again, Nebuchadnezzar was worried about what was to come of him and his kingdom. Well, Daniel's going through. Here's a kingdom. Here's a kingdom. Here is going, here's who's going to follow you. Of course, we have uh, the, the, loin, the, the, the loin area here with the, with the, with the bronze, the, the Greek Empire represented there in the waist and the thigh. The iron represents the, the Roman Empire, the two long legs, because of the length, we believe, of the reign of the Roman Empire was a thousand years, so they were the longest of the idol. And then, of course, we have the modern powers of iron and clay. And so in summary of those verses, Daniel's here. here who, here's who's coming down the pike in the kingdoms. But I love where prophecy comes and look at verse 44. And in the day of those kings, the God of heaven, again, praising his God of what God, his God's going to do in the future. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. And whose kingdom is that? Whose? Yeah. What's Nebuchadnezzar seeing? What is God showing Nebuchadnezzar? Jesus' kingdom. That will never, ever end. And, and, look, and look at the end of verse 45. Daniel again goes back to God. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. And look what he says here. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. If you're Nebuchadnezzar, you have a young man standing before you that is confident in what God told him. I love the, the part in here, too, where it talks about, look at verse 41. Uh, yeah, verse 40, verse 40. 
And there shall be forth, there forth a kingdom strong as iron, because iron breaks a piece and shatters all things. And where does that come from? That comes from the great rock. It says, carved out of the mountain, which represents, the, represents Jesus Christ. So what application do we pull from this of, of future kingdoms, of future events? Well, church, we've, we've said this, we've preached this, we've pounded the pulpit with this. Guess what, church? Our future is certain and sure. Our future is certain and sure. Yes, we don't know what will happen today or tomorrow, but we know who holds our future, and we know where we will be thousands of years from now. We're going to be with Jesus in his kingdom. Our future is certain and sure. As we come to the tail end of this passage of Scripture, we look at verses 46 to 49. We see Daniel now being delivered, really physically, from death here. I, I, I don't think we understand truly how much faith Daniel had. Just to, just to take a couple steps back here a minute. Daniel made a request to see the king before he gave his interpretation of what the dream was. Daniel made an appointment with the king. Hey, I'm going to set up an appointment. I'm going to tell you what this dream is. He had no idea what the dream was. He had no idea. But he had faith in his God. That his God was going to give him what he stood in need of during that moment to stand before the most brutal king of the time. That God was going to come through. Well, what does Nebuchadnezzar do here? This is Cinderella's story here. For those that like Cinderella stories. I'm made to watch Cinderella sometimes, so of course I know how the ending goes. Verse 46 the king, then King Nebuchadnezzar, fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel. That word homage in the Hebrew means he worshipped Daniel. Okay, wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> Here's King Nebuchadnezzar, who's ready to rip everyone limb from limb. Daniel and his whole wisdom department. <laughs> now he's on his face worshipping. That tells us how much trouble Nebuchadnezzar was feeling in his soul. That this was a release, like, Daniel. And look what he says in verse 47. The king answered and said to Daniel, and this is why Daniel was here. Again, we may not understand why God does things in our life, but this is the purpose, the reason why Daniel was here. Look what Nebuchadnezzar, out of Nebuchadnezzar's mouth, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Do you ever question maybe why you're at where you are today in a job, in a school, in a neighborhood? Maybe you're there to proclaim the truth of God so that, and praying for an opportunity that your neighbor, your friend, one day will come to the saving faith of Jesus Christ. Nebuchadnezzar here says, Daniel, your God is truly the God. The most powerful king, the most wicked king Proclaim Daniel's God as the true God. I think application for these several verses is this. Sit back in awe and wonder when God is at work. I don't think many times as Christians we're good at just sitting back and waiting and, and, and observing. We're just busy, aren't we? Sit back in awe and wonder when God is at work in your life. And just say, God, you are amazing. God, I couldn't even put this story together the way you have made everything come about. Things are happening in our lives all across this congregation. And God is at work in every single one of our lives. And we're praying for certain things. And we don't understand when they're going to happen or what this, how this is going to be resolved. 
But when we see God and we see little things happen, say, man, I couldn't have planned that. That's, that's a God thing. Get excited that God is working in your life and sit back in awe and amazement. What do we do? And praise him. God, thank you for being who you are. So as we think about Daniel, and, and, and in closing, a, a beautiful story of Daniel and him standing up again for truth, again, him standing up to the king and God coming through for him. But Daniel had gifts and abilities and talents. He was trained three years. He had an equivalent of a Harvard degree in Babylon. He had the top-notch degree. He would not have been taken from Israel if he was not a smart, good-looking young man who had abilities. That's why he was taken from Judea. Remember last week we learned that him and, and his three buddies stood ten times above everyone else from the Babylonian government. Daniel may not have understood why he was in Babylon, but he trusted God, that God had him there for a reason. See, Daniel used his gifts and abilities, and God came through those gifts and abilities for him. So as we close this, this morning, I want, I want to take a, a practical look at uh, of just Daniel and how Daniel was used of God. And, I, and, and we talked about last week about being an influence. I think we can all agree that God has us where we're at to be an influencer, to be a light for Jesus, right? We believe we're there. Wherever we're at, God has us there. We may not like it, but we know that yeah, God has me here for a reason. And I think we can all agree on that. But where else can we be an influencer? And I, I, I was thinking about this idea because as pastors, we're, we need help. Um, there's a lot of ministry opportunities here at Faith Bible. And it was, it, all, God has given us all gifts and abilities to serve here, Him here in His body. And I think we can be an influence in our church. Older folks, I mean, I think older folks, I mean, people that are, that are adults, um, I think we can be an influence to a younger generation. Think about it. You think about, for us that were lived, lived in the church, I mean, grew up in the church, who are some of the, the in, people that influenced us the most? Our Sunday school teachers, our VBS workers, maybe our pastors. What are your gifts? What are your abilities? See, the Bible gives us about 18 gifts in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, the spiritual gifts. Some of those gifts have ceased at the end of the apostolic age, but many of them are intact today, and we are using them today in our church, in our lives. I want to ask you to do something for me this week. I want you to pray and ask God, God, how can I be used of you in the body of Christ? See, da Daniel, regardless of liked it or not, he was in a position, and he used what he was being trained to do to bring glory to God in Babylon. See, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and all of us are gifted in different areas. How many of us are using our gifts for the church. I love what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now that Greek word labor, I really don't want to share it with you, but I must. It means to be, take a beating. You get it? So when you're serving the Lord, you're going to get beat. <laughs> but sometimes ministry is that way, isn't it? It's not all fun and games. You're dealing with people's lives and struggles, and you're getting beat from here, and people talk. It is what it is for us that we're in ministry for any amount of time. We understand that. But what does he say? Your labor, your beating, your trouble is not in vain in the Lord. 
And so you may ask, I don't know what to do. Well, 1 Peter 4 gives us a great example. It gives us the speaking gift, and it gives us the serving gift. Guess what? We can all serve. We can all serve. So I want us to, as a church, will you, I want to ask, will you join us in, in using our gifts and abilities for Christ, for the church? We need help. Uh, Judy and I, you know, we, we signed up. We're in the nursery on Wednesday nights. I raised my kids. Man, I'm good, but we need help, and we're cool with that. We're good. It's okay. I take a nap. She watches the kids. It's fine. I eat the animal crackers. We're good. But what, what, will, what will God do to your heart this week to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to try this. You know what? Just like Daniel, God will come through, and you want to be used. It's not us. God uses he works through us and uses us how he sees fit. So I want to just close this morning, which is not a plea, but a, but a question and a, 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 a suggestion that we ask, God, where, where, where can I serve in Faith Bible Church? And do it for him. You're not doing it for Pastor Frank and Pastor Mike and I. You're doing it for him. And let him get the glory for what he's gifted you at. Okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this, this uh, study in Daniel. Lord, Just uh, I'm learning so much with this man, Daniel, and how you've called him and used him in a great and mighty way to do great things for you and to be that influence in a pagan world. And man, I tell you what, Lord, we're seeing that in our world today that we're going to need to stand up for what is right regardless of what the culture may have, might want for us to do. Just... As we close, just head, head bow, eyes closed. Just, just talk to your, your Savior this morning and just, just pour out your heart and say, God, I, I, I want to be an, uh, an influencer. I, as we talked last week, I want to be a, a thermostat, not a thermometer. But I, I want to thrive for you in where you have me in the world. And even now, just ask God, you know what? You've given me... Some gifts, maybe I don't know what they are, but Lord, show me where I can serve you here in the body at Faith Bible Church to bring you glory. So Lord, help us as we leave here. Thank you again for this day we've come to gather together to just love and encourage one another and to praise you for what a great God you are in our lives. We ask this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Let's all stand up and let's sing the, the chorus of King of Kings. Praise the Father, praise the Son.